Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the 1865 Forest Ramble. We have a slightly new name, we have new theme music, which long-term listeners might recognise, but you can still expect intelligent conversation and much reports about your favourite team, the mighty Nottingham Forest. Our pre-season preview will be coming soon, but in the meantime, we're delighted to bring you a very special interview with a very special guest. So uh, this is a very special podcast. Um, we are very delighted to be joined by somebody who's a stalwart of BBC Radio Nottingham, um, but he's best known to Forest supporters as the stadium announcer at the City Ground. So we say a big hello and welcome to Mark Dennison. Hi, Mark. Hello. Hello. I've, I, I do like being called a stalwart. That's, uh, that's nice. Is that a more polite way of saying veteran? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Star Wars, definitely better. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> OK, um, I'm going to let our listeners into a bit of a secret, um, which is that you're not originally from Nottingham, are you? Oh, gosh. No, please don't hate me. Um, no, I I mean, until I came to Nottingham, I, I probably travelled around a bit. My parents' uh, jobs used to, well, my dad's job especially, uh, took them around the country a little bit. So, yeah, I was born in Manchester, grew up in the northeast worked in East Yorkshire, but then, I mean, Not- Nottingham's been home for, well, I- I've lived in Nottingham now for the longest that I've lived anywhere else. So I'm doing a lot of backpedalling now, and I'm saying, please like me. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I've been here for quite a long time, and I came to uni here as well, so. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, I think the crucial thing there is also, I'm sure you've brought up your kids as forest supporters. That's the most important thing. Yeah, well, actually, and this is no word of a lie, my son, before I started work at Forest, my son, when he was about three, four, 
um, went football mad and I was taking him to Forest Games. And that's, that's kind of how I got involved in, in Forest anyway. So, um, yeah, he is definitely a Forest fan. My daughter's, my daughter's not really into football that much, but whenever anyone asks her, she always says Forest, which is the correct answer. So, yeah, I'd like, I, that's the only bit of parenting I've done right. <laughs> um, so let's move on you, you mentioned about starting work at the club how long has it been now since you started work at Forest and, and also I think one of the things that um, uh, we're interested in is, in is how did how did you get the job how did it come about well um, I remember distinctly being at the city ground with Joe my, my son and we were watching the game and it was a mate of mine who at the time he was the uh, stadium announcer and um, uh, we watched the game. Not long after that, Steve, um, my mate, said he was leaving. And um, I think Forrest at the time, so at the time I worked at uh, Trent, uh, which is now Capital, and Forrest came to the radio station and said, look, is there anyone that would be interested in doing this uh, stadium announcing thing? And... Um, I think initially it was going to be like a job share with two or three of us, which is a bit of a messy way of doing it. And anyway, long story short, I was the um, I was the, the the person who was kind of most keen to do it. I mean, it's quite a daunting job in lots of ways. Um, and that was two thousand and three, the season of two thousand and three four. Um, and I don't know if it was that season, but certainly early on, you know, we're talking you know, League One days, quite dark, um, very quiet <laughs> days, <laughs> match day. <laughs> um, Joe Kinnear, Gary Megson, you know, it was that kind of era. So, yeah, that's, what, seven, 17 years now. Mm. And um, it sounds to me like it wasn't necessarily a massively, uh, the most formal recruitment process that went on there. Um, obviously, you <laughs> work in radio at the same time and, you know, when you came to the BBC, was that something that you did say to them? Look, I've got this other gig at the same time. And, of course, you used to broadcast on a Saturday morning. So, presumably, your Saturdays were pretty full up at those times. Yeah. Um, well, let me think. I mean, there was a time I, I missed one season because when I was at... Not long before I left Trent. So, I left there in um, 2010. <clears throat> and I think around about 2008... I was doing Saturday afternoons um, and I had to travel to London for that. So uh, that was one of those times where I had to kind of just step back from the forest thing, which was a real, yeah, I, I, I miss doing it uh, when, I'm, when I'm not there. I, I, I think one of the, the big reasons where I, that I wanted to do it and I still enjoy doing it, it takes you out of your comfort zone. I think in radio, you know, we get used to um, talking into a, piece of sponge basically and and these days you know you know people have well you hope to go people are there um but you know because of text and social media people are there and they're they're reacting to you but there's something about being in a live environment and i've always always enjoyed doing live stuff so out and about um you know or uh, charity balls personal appearances stuff like that but there's nothing quite like uh, the sound of the city ground in full voice, you know, 28,000-odd people, uh, when you re- if you remember those days of going to football, 
um you know it, it's quite a unique thing and and yeah i mean as i mentioned at the beginning league one days they weren't great but um by far and away all the good times have have outweighed the bad mm. i mean you mentioned about um the real kind of connection you get with a big crowd, a noisy crowd, obviously, um, particularly when there's a big match going on. And I suppose the biggest matches in the last couple of years, we had the Leeds match, obviously, any time Derby come to town. I mean, it must be a real privilege to to be working on those days. Um, were you, I mean, it's difficult to tell on the radio and on I follow. Were you doing the, the job during lockdown football? No, I wasn't. No, I mean, I haven't. I haven't been there since. It's weird actually because I had, um, I had a whole month off in February. Uh, my wife and I went to New Zealand, so we were dead lucky to go when we went. Uh, yeah, I missed. I missed quite a few games then, and I think I did one uh, when we got back. I did one in March, and then lockdown came. So it's been effectively. It's been a long, long time. Um, so no, I, I didn't do any of the the um, the ones during lockdown. It, it was as much because of numbers, I think, especially early on. Um, the club had to be very careful about how many people were in the ground and all of that. I, I get that. Um, so no, I haven't been there for quite a, quite a while. I missed it though. I mean, it, it sounds weird, but even over the other side of the world, when when I was in New Zealand, you know, I'd be checking scores and you know getting updates from um, from generally my son find out how we were getting on it's just been a really weird time in so many ways but you know one day we'll be back i'm sure mm. so as you talk about that which came first okay was it working for forest or being an you know a forest supporter somebody who's really following the fortunes of the club um i was <laughs> it wouldn't it be too terrible if i said I've never really been a Forest fan, but but now I work for them. Um, no, <laughs> I, I was um, I was definitely a Forest fan. I would be lying if I said that I didn't. I hadn't come to football generally quite late in life, and that goes for being a fan. And um, God, up until not that long ago, I was playing a bit of five aside. Dreadful, but I never used to play when I was um, younger. So I think a lot of it has been through Joe. Yeah, I mean he was—he just—he was football mad. So he, we would go to games. We would buy him every kit going, um, and yeah, I mean I got into it through him really, and it was—it it was great. I mean, when when I started working there, and then Joe must have got his first season ticket, um, and I just remember. So I would be kind of pitch side. And I would, because we would, you know, I'd, I'd take him with me to the game. And then I would look over my shoulder and he would be sitting in main stand, just, just at the side of the tunnel. And he had a season ticket for a good few years. And he went from being so, so tall. to he's taller than me now. And um, it's quite funny, actually, looking at the size of him. And I could literally see him growing over seasons. <laughs> I think he's first about age 12. And, and initially, he would be kind of dwarfed by all these people in front. And then it would be like this tall, lanky, 16, 17-year-old. So, yeah, I mean, that's a very long way of saying I was a Forest fan first. Um, you've been at Forest, uh, you know, for a long time, 17-odd years, you say. Um, obviously, 
this is in the era whereby there's a massive churn of players. Obviously, that's always been the case, but now managers, and we've had two, three uh, chairmen during that time. Um, what difference does that make to you in your capacity as a stadium announcer? You know, and, and how well do you get to know all the kind of the players and the officials at the club? Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's an interesting one. I mean, I, I once started doing the sums of how many managers there have been. And I, I see, I literally gave up. I mean, I think Billy Davis has been there um, uh, in, in various incarnations, of course, with Billy. Um, uh, if, I'm, if I'm absolutely honest, quite little. I, I don't have that much to do with um, particularly a hierarchy, if you like, um, Play, players, it depends. I think there are certain players that you get to know. I mean, we went through a time at Trent, we would get players in for interviews uh, and we would make little, it was in very early days of podcasts and online interviews and things like that. So I'm talking about the time of um, when Wes was here, Wes Morgan, Chris Commons, um, Nathan Tyson. <laughs> I mean, these are real kind of, they sound like retro, retro, mm-hmm references now don't they um here it's a little different in that we have a whole kind of sports team so they kind of do do the interviews and i don't have that much to do with it for the radio so on a match day quite little i liaise with uh, one or two people in particular and then on a match day you get to know people and i think you know now with sabri's um, stewardship, you get to know some of his people, if you like, as they're coming out, do warm-ups and all of that. But we don't tend to, I don't tend, tend to kind of cross over mm. too much. Um, and occasionally, if there's something kind of outside of match day, if there's some kind of event, then yeah, you probably talk more to people then than on a match day. So, um, presumably, obviously, you're kind of part of the communications team aren't you so is it is it mainly with them that you'll you'll liaise in terms of someone there will pass you the team sheet to do to read out the teams or if there's any announcements that'll be something that someone at the club in that department will have picked up during the week and then passed over to you yeah um so these days i think really since the big screens were put in um we've tried or they as a club they've tried to tie in my role as uh, the kind of audio side uh, with what's happening on the big screen. And we've tried to work a little bit more closely because the big screen initially, uh, big screens rather, two of them, were a little bit of a kind of new toy. And I think it was wait, you know, wait and see how these things work on a match day. I think there's still plenty more we can do in terms of the whole kind of match day experience. Uh, but look, at the end of the day, people are there for the football and that has to be right and hopefully a good result. And then anything else is kind of the icing on the cake. But I do, I think, and I think the club sees it as well, that, you know, people are shelling out a lot of money. So it does need to be right. And that goes for the sound. And we know that's far from perfect. Um, you know, the food, the hospitality, everything all links into the whole match day experience. So I think it is, it's an ongoing process. Um, but in terms of the way I work it is um, I turn up there in the afternoon, they give me the, the team sheet, 
And then it's things like, you know, halftime entertainment. Uh, that, that didn't used to exist. And I, I think that was quite a big thing when I joined. We were trying to, again, make the match day experience a bit more entertaining. And let's be honest, in those early days, halftime uh, entertainment was more entertaining than the whole game. Um, <laughs> Um, you know, rather watch a load of kids doing the penalty shootout than some of those early days in League One. But um, it's different now, you know, and um, again, it's all part of the whole experience. Yeah, I remember myself and the Maradon in the Midlands, we went to away to a match at Watford. This would probably be around that time that you started and the match was, let's just say it was turgid at best. Um, half-time entertainment. Five-a-side kids match, uh, a Forest representative team of kids versus a Watford representative team of kids. And the the referee, shall we say, was a rather large gentleman. And so naturally, the away fans started um, suggesting something about his dietary intake. And uh, and at the end of the match, bless him, I mean, this is how how large he was. He had a a pocket that no one noticed. He pulled out his massive meat and onion pie, started eating it in front of the away fans. So, you know, if all else fails, you've got that kind of thing to fall back on. That's brilliant. No, I mean, I love that. And and actually, on a a kind of genuine note, I do think, I can think of instances recently where we've had um, kids doing the, um, yeah, it's a penalty shoot. I'm trying to think because it's been such a long time since I was there. But, you know, sometimes... I think one thing that Forest have gotten much, much better at is the PR mm. and genuine PR. I think for quite a long time, there's maybe been an attempt to, to, to reach out, as they say. But I think these days it is done and, and, and actually uh, not only is it genuine, but it's actually had some really, really positive outcomes as well. And one of those has been getting, getting some of the community groups and, I can think of, you know, disabled kids on the pitch doing the penalty shootout and Trent End, you know, going mad for them and giving them big, big cheers and everything. And that's brilliant. I love all of that. Yeah, I mean, everyone's a winner there because the fans, especially when, I mean, um, I used to sit in the Trent End these days and more often in the um, in the Brian Clough Lower, but... but especially for those in, in the trend tent, you can really engage. I mean, who doesn't, who doesn't want to see a bunch of kids having a penalty shootout? What a moment for them. And then for the kids themselves to be able to have that moment where they can raise their fist in front of the trend tent, everyone's a winner. And I guess, I guess what I was thinking about is that there is a, there is a fine line, isn't there, between providing something that's for the sake of it. And, and let's be honest, I think there's trial and error with this and Forest have got the halftime entertainment wrong at times. But then, like you say, by engaging the community and things like that, it works quite nicely. And another question that the marriage on the Midlands wanted me to ask you um, is goal music. And I believe that in the dim and distant past, and I don't expect you to remember this, he actually had emailed you a couple of times and said, well, what about goal music? Um, now, I believe that you're the man who was in charge of the goal music when we had that. Well, um, <laughs> this is... I think goal music must be one of the most contentious topics um, for football clubs. <clears throat> well, when it comes to, you know, my my bit of the, the job. Um, the goal music was brought in um, in those, those dark, dark early days. I think the idea being to inject some atmosphere because, uh, let's be blunt, there wasn't very much of it around. 
and also the other side to it was that there were there were so few goals being scored that you didn't really you know you wouldn't be playing the music that much so i think it was a now i am going to do some backpedaling now and and um not for the first time or the last in my career um i don't think it was it was necessarily my uh, choice but i kind of went along with it and i think for a while we went through different pieces of music and i think for a while it was suggested that maybe each player could have their own bit of music now bearing in mind um, how can we put it? The system at Forest isn't the most kind of technologically advanced. Um, so uh, it's they use CDs, I think. Um, so if, and kids, if you don't know what they are, then uh, we can draw you a picture. So um, so bearing in mind that was the idea that each player would have their own CD with a bit of music on. Uh, junior at Go-Go, bless him. Um, I think it was... The suggestion was that maybe we could play Wham, Wake Me Up Before You Go Go. I mean, that's the... Um, and then I think someone else said, oh, why don't we ask the players and they can have their favourite song played and they've just got to, you can imagine the obscure, um, interesting music that we would have had played there. So anyway, look, you know, uh, then it was Chelsea Dagger and it was, it was the most divisive... Um, topic I can remember and I always, I always remember as well being on holiday one summer and it was early season and I was on holiday and I was being copied into tweets that then uh, Jim, you don't remember Billy Davis's um, advisor uh, he would be responding to tweets copying me in and say oh yeah don't worry we're going to get rid of the whole go music thing. Anyway and then it was, and then it was gone uh, and at one point there was a poll and I think it literally finished with 50-50. Some people love it. And, it. and it was like, oh, cheers for that. That's no help whatsoever. So, yeah. Anyway, now we don't, we don't do it. And I'll be interested to know how many clubs still do. I, I think it was brought in for a reason. It kind of maybe did its job for a while. And my own view is now we don't, we don't need it. I'd rather hear, you know, the, the cheer of the crowd. But what I would say is... Uh, after we, we got rid of it, there were still people saying, oh, where's Chelsea Dagger? We really like bopping along to that in the trend. So it's the old adage, you can't you can't please everyone all the time. So, um, yeah, it's gone now. So. Yeah, and I think for people who are bothered, then you fall very much one side of the divide or the other, and I'm very much against it. But I also do appreciate that there was a little period where actually it did maybe mean the atmosphere after a goal lasted a little bit longer than it might have yeah. done otherwise I think the trouble comes I mean I heard from just from match of the day there were a few um, clubs who were playing it in like in an empty stadium it's like that's a bit odd and then of course the other problem you get is what happens if you're three nil down at home with two men sent yeah. off you score a consolation goal in the 94th <laughs> minute do you press yeah. play or do you not <laughs> yeah yeah well do you know we had that so many times and you know what happens if it's an own goal and <laughs> You know, all, all that kind of thing. And, and yeah, we, we always had. Because, you know, we knew as well for a while that we still officially had the goal music. And yet, you know, there would be episodes and times like that. And when we thought, seems to have to play it. So it, it kind of it kind of became a bit organic and it ran its course. And, you know, it's done now. Also, in the Premier League, with VAR, meaning you have to wait a minute before every goal is given. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you'd, how you'd square that circle. So 
basically what what we're getting at is uh, is that I'm right and everyone else is wrong and goal music is a bad idea. Um, Spot on. Yeah. Um, if I can get my screen to work, my screen share to work, I'm just going to. Uh, Maradon the Midlands also asked. Not all the questions have come from him, by the way. Everyone's chipped in, but uh, he also wants to ask about your opinion on this being the best bit of goal music. And now this is his own rendition. And and that's your lot, Mark. <laughs> wow. Okay. Would you honest? I want your yeah. honest, honest feedback on whether that is the best goal music you've ever slash never heard. Um, no, I, there's no gentle way of doing it. It's not the best. Um, <laughs> it's um, it, I, it's lacking a bit more oomph. Mm. I, I give it another go and um, give it a bit more oomph, and then send, send it to the club. Yeah, <laughs> not to you. <laughs> yeah, not to me. Don't ever send anything my way. I have no say. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. You mentioned there about about tweets and you know being being copied into tweets, and of course, social media, not just in the world of the football fan, but for so many walks of life, is such a big thing. Um, now, you do, do you know? Do people at the club pay attention to what fans are saying, either via Twitter or the forums, or you know things like us? We do a podcast. Do, do we have any idea about whether that's something that's important to the club? Yeah, they, they do. Um, and I think especially now, actually, I think they do try and kind of take the temperature. And I know, again, you know, to use that, that kind of cliched phrase now of reaching out, I know there's been a lot of that, reaching out to fans in, in lots of ways. And, and I guess the, the problem is, you know, when you're dealing with, uh, a whole community of, of people who are, let's say, just on a match day. That's twenty eight thousand people. If you're going to if you're going to canvass the opinions of twenty eight thousand, well, probably more people, aren't there? When you when you factor in people that don't go to games, you know that's very difficult to build any kind of consensus. But I do think, particularly in this this more most recent regime, I think they have been very good at at doing the whole PR thing. And I mentioned before that I think there have been attempts before. um, And I think we all, we can all kind of see when those times were, when they would be um, attempts to, to be seen to do the right thing. And actually what you, what you end up delivering isn't the right thing. Whereas I think these days they really want to do the right thing. And I think by and large they do. And I think it's much, much better. The whole, the place is run better. It's a much more professional outfit, uh, which I've got to tell you, you know, for, for people that work there, uh, I only work there on a match day, but I know people that work there full time and it's, you know, it, it's a completely different proposition. So, yeah, they do, they do pay attention to what people say. That's not to say that, you know, just because one person... Um, emails or tweets and uses capital letters and stamps their feet. And it's got to be this way. And it's obviously got to be the right way of having a conversation. But they 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 do they do pay attention. Yeah, that, that's which is good to know. And especially bearing in mind that, like you say, it's twenty eight thousand fans on match day, plus the tens of thousands of people who don't get to matches, plus yeah. the wider fan base who maybe look on from afar. Um, and it must be really, really difficult to, to take the temperature in that way because, again, once again, forums, Twitter, 
social media, not necessarily the most reasoned arguments you'll always get. Uh, so, yeah. so it's, it's, it's interesting to know that. Um, does this mean that are there any times that you've had to bite your tongue in terms of what you say publicly? Has it compared to BBC editorial guidelines, for example? <laughs> not as long. Um, <laughs> no, not things as long as BBC guidelines. Um, yeah, I mean, there have been, t- let, let, you know, I won't, I won't beat around the bush, you know, the whole kind of, and it won't be any mystery, you know, the Fowers years were, were testing for, for everyone, I think, apart from the Fowers, you know, it was, um, it was, the, the whole place was, um, I think morale was, was pretty low. I think um, there were some very strange decisions, just all on and off the field. And that, that invariably spills over to you know the jobs that everyone's trying to do, and there, yeah, yeah, there were times where it's difficult. You see, the, the, my kind of role um, in lots of ways is a very, very small part of a match day, um, and yet I think it's your job to kind of build up, you know, build up the atmosphere. But equally. Um, there are times when you think, well, I'm kind of building up the atmosphere. For we all know which way this is going to go. So you almost kind of need to build up the atmosphere, but in a measured way. You know, I can think of cup games where there have been, I don't know, me and Tony, you know, the, the, the guy that did, delivers the milk and his dog, you know, not that many people there. Mm. And we know we're going we're gonna to crash out. So there's no point in me being pitched, I go, I'm building up the atmosphere that way. But equally, when it's Derby Day or we're playing, you know, Arsenal, if you like, in the Cup or Spurs or whoever. So it's just, you've got to take each game, it's a bit of a cliche, each game as it as it comes. Um, and um, sure, you know, it's a job I love doing, but yeah, there have been times in the past where it's it's just been made a little bit more complicated. And I guess in that sense, it's it's actually harder for you being somebody at at the ground on a match day when the atmosphere isn't good or is the atmosphere is non-existent. Whereas for your colleagues in the sport team, you know, Chippers and Colin, I guess they can talk about all the negative stuff. You're not really able to do that because that would only bring everything down even more. So it must put you in quite a difficult position yeah. in some circumstances. Well, in some ways, I remember when I first joined here and you know BBC is a little bit twitchy about you know if you're working for anyone else and and I kept saying look you know I, I do work for Forest it's no secret and actually maybe we should just make the most of it because it's great exposure if people see it as brand promotion if you like it's it can help promote the brand of BBC Nottingham so you know let's let's all just Play, play the game and it's never been it's never been a problem it's never been a uh any kind of clash or anything like that uh but i i know in theory it could be you know if i if i had to it was always given to me as the example of if you had to get mark arthur remember him um on and give him a hard time that would be quite hard to do because he's employing you and i i get that i get that argument but equally it's not going to happen because i don't work for the sport team and i I'm not going to be giving Mark Arthur a grilling or anyone else um, a grilling as such. So I, I think it's just about being grown up and sensible at the end of the day. And we can 
can all coexist and it's all worked out fine. Okay. Um, we're just, uh, just a couple of other things that, um, were on our minds. Um, so, um, reading out team sheets. Okay. With the Forest players, presumably you can get some insight from your colleagues at the club and um, maybe even occasionally from the players themselves. So one of the questions I've always had is uh, the num- current number three, Tobias. How do you know if his surname is Figueredo or Figueredo or something entirely different? <laughs> um, <clears throat> I don't. I've just gone with Figueredo because I believe that is closer to the correct Portuguese Mm-hmm. I don't think it's Figueroa. Now, you know, that's not to say that, A, I'm wrong, or B, uh, you can be both. So I've just kind of, uh, I've, I've kind of adopted it as Figueroa, but I might have to stand corrected. My, my kind of attitude with team sheets is that the home team needs to be um, right. Um, away team look if i mispronounce one then you know i'm doing it so quietly anyway that um, <laughs> no one in the way and can hear you basically exactly and also let's be honest you know the speakers need replacing and all of that so i'm well aware depending on where you sit in the city ground i'm either going to deafen you or you can't hear me um so i don't i don't kind of over overthink it but i try and get the home team right I, ha- I think I've, pro- I've told this story before, but I don't think I've told you, Rich. So um, uh, I always remember one time I was away and a mate of mine was, was filling in for me. And so at the time there was uh, David Johnson was in, in the team and David Frio, French mm-hmm. fella. And um, someone at Forest said, said to my mate filling in, said, uh, just so you know, with the team sheets, it's David Frio not David, just try and remember that. And this guy went, okay, okay. And you could see him kind of thinking it. So he announced it and he went, uh, number 11, David Frio. And he obviously then gave him a kind of virtual, gave himself a bit of a pat on the back. And then he announced number 26, David Johnson. <laughs> so you, you can imagine then the, the reaction of everyone was like, David Johnson, French? We had no idea. So um, anyway, that's just one of those things that, you know, it's one of those jobs, you, you, if you... If you overthink it, that's when you're probably going to trip. Yeah, and then and then it becomes also how you style it out if you get it wrong, I suppose. Exactly, yeah. And believe me, I've, I've got it wrong plenty. And I used to always, uh, when chippers worked uh, here, we would sit, sit together pitch side. And occasionally I would go over to him and say, look, have you got any idea how to pronounce this? And I know, because chippers is a wind-up merchant, I know he sold me some proper duffs there. <laughs> No, um, okay, so just um, finally, in 17 years of working at City Ground, what would you say has been your highlights? Oh, uh, do, do you know, seriously, any, any Derby game, but especially a Derby game where we win. Uh, I hate the Derby games. I always feel ill and I never, I never get into the whole score prediction mm. thing. I always think I'm going to jinx it. Um, Derby games where we win. I always remember when we played um, uh, Spurs as well. That was a cup game. That was pretty sad. Arsenal recently in the cup mm-hmm. with Lee High and his two goals. I mean, they, that that's a bit of a smattering of 
of highlights. It's really, it's really difficult to, to pick out one, but any, anywhere that, where the ground is packed and the place is absolutely bouncing, it's yeah. just great. Good man. Appreciate it. Right. Our 40 minutes are about to run out. You need to go and get yourself a coffee. I really appreciate it. Mark Dennison, thank you so much for joining us on the 1865 Forest Ramble. And uh, here's to another, well, here's to a, a great season, a better season at the City Ground. Yes. And I can't wait to be there. Really good talking with you, mate. Thank you. A big thank you to Mark Dennison for joining us uh, for that very special interview there. And uh, we look forward to uh, being back at the City Ground to celebrate as the club hopefully push for promotion next season. We'll be back with our pre-season preview in just a few days' time. So keep an eye on your podcast feeds for that and we'll be with you soon. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.